My family and I, our first home was in Duncan, Arizona. So I grew up there with my brother, and eventually my sisters came. And we lived next door to a man named George. We could call him George as little kids there. He worked at the mines in Morency, Arizona. So he'd wear his hard hat and get his lunch pail and take the van, along with other men, to work up, oh, up north in Morency. But in the meantime, there was a beautiful big garden between our house and his. And many days he'd be out there as my brother and I are playing. He would till the soil with this big machine there. He will get a wheelbarrow to pull out weeds, but also rocks, stumps, other things that were in the way of this big garden. And it took a lot of work. He'd be out there often, even in the heat of the day, watering and nurturing and producing good stuff. And one day he'd come up to my brother and I and said, here, give this to your mom. And so we would have wonderful meals based on his garden. I learned as a little boy that it takes a lot of work to be able to nurture and cultivate and grow good produce. The gospel, rather the Isaiah today, is doing something very similar because the people are very familiar with vineyards. In the land of Judah, they're all over the place. But the problem with the ground there is that it's very hard and very rocky. And so the owner would get the vine dresser to be able to start moving stones away. And with it, the stones, they'd build shelter. They'd build a watchtower to protect against animals and thieves at harvest time. But they would also pull weeds and cultivate and water and prune. So much work went into the vineyard. And hopefully they would be good fruit. God is given the image that Israel is the vineyard. And he's the one that over the long time has watered them, loved them, cared for them, nurtured for them. But the people did not respond in the covenant way. And remember, you can look through this in the whole Old Testament. God is always displeased at different times because they did not treat one another well. They did not keep the covenant. And what does the covenant mean? The prophets tell us over and over again. Love your neighbor. Treat people with respect. But also to care for the vulnerable and the lowliest people all around. And Isaiah reminds us that God is displeased with that. And God doesn't get good grapes, but rather wild grapes. Grapes that are no good. Matthew carries that theme of vineyard into the gospel. As Jesus is dealing with people who are leaders, but who are good leaders because they are faithful to the Torah and to God. But they are blind to God's activity right in front of their minds and in front of their eyes as well. And so they refuse to listen to John the baptizer and also to Jesus there. And so... The scriptures used by Matthew, who is also of the Jewish faith, and the community that's heavily Jewish, but now follow Christ, is that he uses the scripture, the stone that has been rejected by the builders. In other words, it's no good, get rid of it. Turns out to be the cornerstone. That's Jesus. So for people at that time, all types of people, 
Jesus becomes, and his teaching becomes a stumbling block. Something that gets in the way. Something that prevents them from trusting God. Living the life that we're called to. And so I'd invite you to think about, for a moment, the stumbling blocks that you and I experience in our faith journey. Sometimes the teachings of Jesus can be a very stumbling block for a lot of people. It's so interesting now that there's some number of Christians who really don't take seriously God's call through Jesus that says, love your enemies. Love your enemies. And it's seeing more and more people are now are justifying cruelty, mistreating people, demeaning and using language that belittles people, and it seems to be okay. And that's a stumbling block for some. Well, Jesus really didn't mean my enemies. And we find that as a stumbling block, that we cannot love everyone. Look at all the horrible things that these people have done, or look what they did to me. And the stumbling block is, I'm not going down that way. I will not learn to love my enemies or people who think differently than I do. How about love of the foreigners? Jesus did that a lot. Remember recently he goes into Samaria? They couldn't stand one another. There's intense hatred. In fact, the Jews called them dogs, the Samaritans. And yet he shows culturally again that he brings Christ to them. And the woman that he meets in the well really becomes the first disciple to bring Jesus to an entire nation of Samaria. What Jesus does is gives dignity and respect and humanity to foreigners. A stumbling block for a lot of Christians is we're fearful. They're running over the border. And that's true because the thing is is that we have very poor policy. And so all we're left to do is yell at one another and be angry for people who don't want to take seriously a broken system. People who are suffering, our brothers and sisters, many of them baptized in the same waters as you and me, and yet we have that a stumbling block. No way. They're not coming to our area, our neighborhood. And we use all these things that people do to develop fear. The stumbling block is we're not welcoming foreigners. The stumbling block of the teaching sometimes is life, the gift of all life. We justify, and many Catholics are comfortable with the death penalty, that somehow the state has the right to kill people, to teach people not to kill. And we, we, we listen to voices of anger, we look deep in our hearts, and we think that revenge, which never works out, not many people, once there's, the person is dead, really feels a sense of peace. They may think they've won. But Christ really talks about life, all life. And sometimes we find that a stumbling block. That from conception till the last breath, there's always justification to not respect life, honor all life, or protect all life. Sometimes the stumbling block for us in our society today is the lack of time that we give to form our faith. 
I have the privilege and honor of working with athletes. And this includes even our young people and others who are involved in all kinds of extracurricular activity. So I just don't only talk to football players, you know. I talk to all types of young people, always asking them the question, what are you involved with? Always looking for a kicker, but you know, oh, it's okay if they play the piano or go in the band or do dance. Those are great activities. But here's what I kind of learned about some of the athletes, not only on our team, but I talk to athletes all across the valley, including the different schools that come here. There are some people that are so disciplined. They do everything necessary. We've got some players on our team that never miss a workout. Every day is a day, a chance to improve. Every day to sell yourself. And the parents encourage that, that we got to get a scholarship so that we don't have to really be burdened with this big financial thing. And so that's understandable. Or go to a school or get education. And we work hard at that. And by itself, it's a good thing to do. And you know what? One of the great things is that athletes and other people of extracurricular activities, they're so committed. But what I find out is they go year-round And many of them get burned out because they only do one thing. And one day they just decide it's not worth it anymore. But what I find out sometimes is that our young people with encouragement of parents opt out of really developing a faith, a living faith in Jesus. Not all, but there's a significant number where our parents go, you know what, it's not worth the battle fighting with our young people because they get bored at mass. They don't like Life Teen or Edge. They don't like other things there. Or they think people are all crazy. And yet we let them opt out. That's a stumbling block, time. And so we grow these young people who become very ignorant And the only thing they do about the Catholic faith, they do the worst thing possible. They Google. And that becomes their faith tradition. It says right here, we believe this. And we think that's sufficient because Google never lies. And that's how some people choose their faith. Without really making that commitment, people who have great discipline sometimes miss out Just like Matthew talks about the religious leaders at that time. He doesn't beat them up for missing out. He's reminding the community the same thing can happen to us. That we can fail to live the gospel. And miss it. And miss God's activity in front of us. So, what do we need to do to remove the stumbling block? I think maybe sometimes there's increased prayer with family. Some of you find it a difficult time in the busyness to have dinner together. Even if you're retired, you're on the move, you're doing good things, huh? Or with people. How about reconnecting with scriptures? Do you ever take time to do that? Maybe a more of a commitment, because that stumbling block would be, we don't have time. Or I do it on Sunday. I come to Mass, but yet we never talk to anyone. We never bring Christ to the people next to us because we're out the door and we have zero conversation, but yet we think we fulfilled an obligation because we came into a building. And that has very little to do with faith. We come here to bring Christ to one another and live it here 
and beyond. Remember, the word mass, misa, means to what? Huh? I've told you this for years. Got you sleep already? It means to be sent. To be sent. And some of you do it too good. Huh? All right? Yeah. So the, what's lived here and experienced here has to be taken out through the doors. So maybe sometimes the stumbling block is changing priorities. I told the masses, other ones today, that there are people who really have needed to hear from me. I think about them. I might even say a prayer for them, but I really haven't called them or emailed them or write a letter to them. And I haven't done that. And this week, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to change my priority because the stumbling block is I'm too busy. I don't have enough time. And these are people that really need to hear from me because of friendship or they're going through a difficult time or they just need a friend to say their love. Maybe that could be the stumbling block that you and I remove. And so, is Jesus teaching a stumbling block for you and me? What is it that needs to be moved? Because Jesus is the cornerstone of our faith, not the stumbling block. I invite you to think about what you can do this week that can remove those stones.